podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I'm your host, Kat Bean Hansen. Welcome. We're glad you're here. This week's message comes from our service on October 24, 2021. Pastor Emma Peterson gives a message called Waiting for the Light, Self-Care in the Shift of Seasons. Human beings are notorious for being resistant to change. We hate it. Change makes us feel like we're losing control. Change, even when expected, means potentially facing unforeseen circumstances. We don't like taking risks either, and change often comes with a fair degree of risk. Change makes us feel uneasy and vulnerable and disrupted. A change I have always enjoyed, however, is the change of seasons. I've always felt that I would have a hard time living in a place where the seasons don't change. How people celebrate Christmas in Florida, for example, has always baffled me. How can you enjoy such a warm and cozy holiday if it's sunny five, if it's 75 and sunny outside? With that kind of weather, you belong at the beach, not, cuddled, not cuddled around a Christmas tree sipping cocoa. I've always appreciated the way the seasons mark the passage of time and our own journey through life. I often have better memory recall when I think of the season in which something occurred rather than the specific date. And I like the way the weather corresponds with the holidays and occasions and rituals each season holds. And yet, even with all of this appreciation of the remarkable way that spring turns to summer, summer to fall, and fall to winter, and winter back to spring, I'm much more likely to experience feelings of unease and discomfort during the shift of seasons. And I know that I'm not alone. You may have noticed the way symptoms of depression, malaise, or anxiety spike, either in you or your peers, when fall begins or spring arrives. Some of this is directly related to the changes seasonal shifts bring into our lives. As one season passes behind us, we may find ourselves filled with longing and regret about what is behind us. We may feel worried about whether events or responsibilities the season we are entering will will require us. We may simply be responding to our instinctual resistance to change. Even cyclical, predictable, annual moments of change might cause us to feel ill at ease. The term autumn anxiety is relatively new and not nearly as well recognized as seasonal affective disorder, but many health professionals now recognize an increase in anxiety and depression in autumn as a typical complaint. There are legitimate climatic reasons our anxiety might spike when autumn arrives. When the daylight hours become fewer, our brains respond by reducing our serotonin, the hormone responsible for regulating mood, appetite, and our sleep patterns. 
Additionally, we start to produce more melatonin, which makes us feel sleepy and slightly more prone to depression. Some of our feelings of anxiousness or unease can be connected to the imminent winter. We know deeply cold, barren days are ahead of us. And especially now, with the memory of last winter's pandemic isolation behind us, we may feel deeper trepidation as winter journeys towards her long sleep. The memories of the changes that come when autumn arrives and the temperature changes and the days grow shorter and the challenges of winter all live on in our bodies. And so when the calendar comes around, the feelings we carry in our physical selves may trigger our minds towards feeling anxious or uneasy, even if we don't consciously recognize why. And of course, many of us are sensing the looming stress of the holiday season. Halloween is already next week, which means Thanksgiving is right around the corner and Christmas truly will be here before we even know it. There remains a fair degree of uncertainty when it comes to what this year's holidays will look like, and that might contribute to the stress this time of year already inspires. Take just a moment to reflect and check in with your feelings. Is autumn anxiety something you're experiencing? If so, you're not alone. And there are at least a few ways we can take care of ourselves as we bid summer farewell and welcome fall. The shift of seasons and all of the impending changes it brings offer an excellent opportunity to reassess the health of our self-care routines. I'm not talking about bubble baths and pedicures. Self-care as a concept has suffered a commodification and a reductionist understanding of what the practice or practices actually entail. Self-care has also been feminized, which is one way our culture attempts to dismiss the validity of intentionally meeting our own needs. That's what self-care actually is. Self-care is the process of identifying your needs and then meeting them. Many of us aren't actually very good at recognizing what our needs are. In fact, I think many of us have been raised and conditioned to believe that we don't actually have needs or that it is selfish to seek out what we need most to meet our needs. One of the things that started to really grate against me growing up in the Methodist church was the gospel of self-sacrifice. We were told constantly that ignoring our own needs or desires was a requirement of Christian living. This was especially true for women. I'll never forget a sermon I heard when I was maybe 13 years old. It was a sermon on the feeling of Christian joy. With the letters of the word joy provide where the letters of the word joy provided instructions for how to live in accordance with the gospels. Jesus stood for Jesus first, O for others second, and Y for yourself last. As a malleable young person, this sermon left an impression. I believed the message that putting my own needs or thoughts or concerns last was what it took to be a loving Christian person. As an adult and a minister, I, re I now recognize how putting myself last would actually mean not being able to serve anyone. You can't pour from an empty cup, and that means filling yourself up before filling up others. Our emotions are often the clues to what our needs are. 
especially when a strong emotion has been triggered in us, that's a cue that we need to pause and discern what unmet need is being indicated by the feeling we're having. In a blog post for the Huffington Post, Shostin Nelson remarks that we often squash our desires to communicate our needs before we've even articulated them. Feelings of low self-worth, fear of rejection, or an internalized belief that we don't actually need anything at all, all hold us back from asking for what we need in our relationships or giving ourselves what we need in our day-to-day lives. And we're held back because we haven't taken the time to figure out and name what our needs may actually be. The next time you're feeling frustrated or angry or sad or ill at ease or unsettled, instead of just ignoring that feeling and willing it to go away, take a moment to check in with that feeling and get to the root. What unmet need is inspiring this feeling inside of you? The need may be social or spiritual, physical, emotional, relational, practical, or material. Once we have identified what our need is in the moment, we can begin to take responsibility for getting it met. We all need to figure out what we want, and we need to learn to ask for it. There are some needs that must be addressed in relationship and others that we can take care of on our own. Let's talk first about the needs we can take care of on our own, those needs that can be addressed with self-care. Self-care is whatever you do to meet your needs and take care of yourself. I recently began following an Instagram account called Women Can Heal. It's run by a woman named Michelle who specializes in the development of emotional maturity for people who have experienced trauma. She talks a lot about triggers, which are external events or circumstances which consciously or unconsciously remind us of previous traumatic experiences that elicit strong and uncomfortable emotions. When we're triggered, we tend to act reactively unless we learn to recognize and process the feelings we're having before we respond to them. Feelings like anger or fear might cause us to be particularly reactive. When we feel triggered, we really need to pause and figure out what unmet needs might be connected to our emotions in the moment. Whatever you choose to take care of yourself after figuring out what your unmet needs are, count as self-care. Women Can Heal recommends self-care actions like setting a boundary, doing a task you've been avoiding, calling a friend, having a drink of water, going for a walk, taking a break from social media, or simply getting some rest as possible ways to meet your needs. We all have feelings and we all have needs, but many of us have been conditioned to dismiss or ignore those feelings and needs. And that's part of the reason something like the transition of the seasons can trigger these increased sensations of anxiety or unease. The change that is occurring around us is likely reminding our bodies of our previous experiences connected to this time of year. Check in now with your mental and emotional state as we begin to trek towards wintertime. 
Notice how you're feeling and identify what you need right now and what you might need down the road. Begin to anticipate what you might need as winter comes and begin to prepare to meet those needs going forward. For me, my emotional and spiritual preparations for the impending winter focus themselves in my physical space and in my relationships. Fall is the time that I store up. I try to intentionally reserve time to declutter and deep clean my home while also winterizing parts of my space as the weather turns colder. Just like the squirrels frantically burying acorns in my backyard, I too am digging deep and expending my energy, making my space as comfortable as possible for cozy season. Now is a good time to find routines, even small ones. Offering yourself moments of stability in the midst of changing circumstances can keep you grounded. When the weather, when the weather begins to chill, it is time for me to take out my tea kettle. The ritual of making a cup of tea in the morning light is deeply comforting to me. The whistle of the tea kettle, the steam rising off my favorite mug, and the warmth in my chest when I take that first sweet milky sip. So much sacredness can be found in even the smallest, simplest gestures. What are some things that bring you peace and comfort during this time of year? How are you noticing the sacred in your day-to-day life? I encourage you also to reframe the shift of seasons. Humans are often focused on what we're losing, and sometimes it makes it challenging to see the benefits of a particular change. So try reframing your mindset. Instead of thinking about how dark and cold it will be and how you'll be stuck inside, focus on comfort and coziness. Now is a good time to launder all of your warmest blankets, to stock the pantry with tea and cocoa, and to replenish your candle supply. Let the changing seasons be a call to take better care of yourself. I mentioned that my primary needs when the seasons change concern my space and my relationships. This leads me to one thing I think we are all missing when it comes to understanding self-care and how we go about meeting our needs. Self-care, unsurprisingly enough, is peddled in this culture as an individual responsibility and pursuit. But meeting our individual needs is not possible individually. While some aspects of self-care are indeed self-driven, many of our needs can only be met communally. I encourage you to expand your thinking beyond self-care as an individualized practice towards communal care in which a culture of reciprocity ensures we are all able to meet our needs individually, relationally, and community. Barbara Einrich, author of Nickeled and Dimed, has a new book out about the insidious nature of our culture's obsession with wellness. In an interview with Jezebel, a feminist blog site, Einrich remarks on the inherent classism of commodified self-care practices. Many of the things considered essential in our cultural understanding of self-care, like gym memberships and massages and access to therapy, come with a class barrier. The solution to this, Einrich argues, 
is to cease to recognize self-care as only the responsibility of the individual. She says, I think that a movement should be developing mutual care. A social movement itself should not be about self-care. It's right to say, and I say to a lot of people, don't burn out. This is a long struggle. Just do what you can to be sure to get enough sleep, enough to eat and have some fun now and then. But I think that these things, but I think that there are things also that we can do in a more, in a more solidaristic way than to just say, Oh, go home and do some self care. We could talk to each other. We could have more parties and celebrations. We could do more dancing. I know this sounds a little crazy, but I think that it's something that's very much missing in our lives. I tend to agree with Einrich. We could all talk to each other more. We could all find ways to spend more time safely in the era of COVID in celebration and camaraderie. So much of what has been missing from our lives is the company of each other. Pandemic life has taught us how deeply we need one another and how empty and gray life feels when we are separated from opportunities to deepen our relationships. I think so much of the unease I am sensing in this shift of seasons come from our physical memories of the isolation and fear that consumed so much of our fall and winter last year. As we face another season of pandemic living, how can we ensure we meet our needs individually and communally? I encourage each of you to find ways to deepen your connection with other members of the CVUU this fall and winter. This month, Kat and I began leading two Soul Matters curriculum groups. We meet once a month to discuss adult RE materials created by the UUA for spiritual reflection and community building. I have a sense that opportunities like this Soul Matters group are one of the primary ways that we at the CBUU can sustain and grow our community. Two years ago, we were able to gather in unlimited capacity concerns of contagion amongst ourselves, not even in our awareness. Now we are assessing the risks of every meeting, every event, every holiday gathering. We must resist the urge to believe that because our circumstances have changed, our opportunities to foster community have been removed from us. I encourage each of you to find ways to gather safely together to expand your COVID pods in ways that feel both safe and life-giving. We all need connection and the experience of empathy and understanding and stable relationships more than ever. I encourage each of you this afternoon, perhaps, to find some quiet time to reflect on what this change of season is inspiring or bringing up in you. Perhaps take some time to write out your thoughts connect to your feelings, and identify your unmet needs. Once you know what you need, you can determine how to meet those needs. And once you meet your needs, you will be more able to help meet the needs of others with an open heart. Put yourself first. Care for yourself first. Only then will you be able to feel the deeply life-giving joy that is caring for others. Amen and blessed be.
This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org. And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors to attend our online services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>